psychological oxymorons. I'm your host, Joel Bouchard, a doctoral student in psychology, and with me today is Mr. Norman Gayford, a professor of English and philosophy. This week, we'll continue our examination of Aesop's fables by looking at another animal, the eagle. While eagles are noted for having a lofty gravitas about them in American culture, this fabricated image isn't necessarily shared in other parts of the world. Today, we'll examine how the eagle was conceptualized in stories told long ago, and discover what we can learn from these tales. All right, so um, yeah, you know, the eagle is sort of the uh, the symbol of of American culture, <laughs> yeah, right. and it's funny. Um, you know, I remember growing up as a kid. And the only place eagles lived was Alaska. So you had never seen a, a bald eagle. You know? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now they've made just this enormous comeback. They're everywhere. Uh, to the point where on my drive to work, um, a couple of years ago, there was a juvenile bald eagle. And he grew into an adult bald eagle. And now on this road that I drive to work on, there's three juvenile bald eagles <laughs> that normally you can see all sitting on the same telephone pole yes. up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's really, you know, really cool to see. Um, but there's, you know, there's moments of magnificence and then there's um, moments of, of, of uh, reality, right? <laughs> One of these days when I was driving to work, the adult bald eagle um, and all of his splendor was, was standing in the middle of the road, uh, eating a, a roadkill, yes. just eating a carcass. <laughs> <laughs> and he flew out of the way, uh, very lumbering and un- ungracefully as my, my truck drove down the road. Yep. So, um, and we'll, I think we'll see some of that as we get into the stories. Um, you know, the Eagle, um, and this is something that we'll, we'll try to cover, uh, I don't know if we'll do it in this episode or towards the end of the series. We'll start to examine some of these characters in whole. Yeah. Um, but we saw some of it with the fox last week, right? There was there's characteristics of the fox that seemed to carry over between tales, um, but there was also individual um, aspects of each tale that didn't really uh, corroborate um, with how right. the fox as as a as an animal acted because eagles it's sort of the same way the eagles are saying right as you, as you say they're not <laughs> the eagles not sitting up there clutching a a, a, a quiver of of arrows <laughs> arrows in, in one, one claw and an olive branch in the other yeah. right no and and, uh, and how is it going to be sitting there in the first place if it's doing that because you can't hang on to a wire at the same time right. so, <laughs> so just that image of yeah. the eagle dropping the arrows or dropping the olive branch and plunging down to get that roadkill i think it just makes it so much more interesting <laughs> yeah yeah i always think about that when you see lots of times in nature if you see a large bird of prey it's usually being chased by a small songbird. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. small songbird's going to be protecting his nest. And they're just so much more nimble um, that the big birds can't, it's like trying to s- steer a cruise ship. They can't get around to, to see the little bird. So their only option is to fly away, you know, as fast yeah. as they can get away from it. You it know, is so fun, to, funny to watch in this, when that happens. So you think that couldn't be, but it is. Yeah. And so this, this, this little anecdote sort of plays into the question that we'll answer down the road, which is, um, you know, what, what human characteristics do we give to these animals when we're sort of anthropomorphizing them? And are there, is there any truth to them at all? Is there anything about them that's real or is it all just invented by <laughs> us from our human perspective, which is sort of a meta 
kind of analysis of Aesop's fables. So it's uh, it'll be an interesting thing to talk about. And I don't know if we'll get to it at the end of this episode or if we'll just tie it all together in one episode. I think tying it together series. probably would be better. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think you know, devoting a whole episode to looking at that concept would be um, would be pretty interesting. So we'll dive into it. Um, the first fable we have is the eagle and the arrow. An eagle sat on a lofty rock, watching the movements of a hare whom he sought to make his prey. An archer, who saw the eagle from a place of concealment, took an accurate aim and wounded him mortally. The eagle gave one look at the arrow that had entered his heart and saw in that single glance that its feathers had been furnished by himself. It is a double grief to me, he exclaimed, that I should perish by an arrow feathered from my own wings. So this is a an interesting fable and you know again we've we talked a little bit in the last episode about morals right and it's sort of this um you know the moral is you know i guess it, it, it's a necessary evil i guess but is it even necessary you know do we need somebody to tell us what the story meant or can we just hear the story and say well you know this is what it's kind of saying to me you know that i'm on, on, in the latter category of that i've right a line from an old, old movie, a uh, uh, paraphrase beyond recognition. Uh, morals? We don't need no stinking morals. <laughs> you don't have to tell me, right? We, uh, I, some, uh, as I, I think I said last week, I, I always found I was put off when a well-intentioned grandmother would be reading Aesop's fables and then, and say moral and I say, no no <laughs> just let me hear it <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna throw them out there anyways mostly as a point of um contrast mm-hmm. you know i think we found that with the fox last week is um lots of times you know they'd tell me what the moral is and i'd say well it seemed like there's a lot more here or the story is even telling me something completely different yeah and i think that you know probably maybe even the original tension intentions of the stories themselves are that way because some of them don't have morals that come with them there's no. no nothing that says this is what it means so if some of them don't have an explicit moral there's a good chance that maybe none of them were meant to maybe they were you're just meant to hear the story and and try to decipher what it means yeah. but yeah. the explicit moral of the eagle and the arrow is um we often give our enemies the means of our own destruction right hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a real interesting story. This eagle circling above, trying to make this hare his dinner, and then a hidden archer shoots him, and the eagle sees that the arrow has his own feathers. Well, if we often give, uh, I, I think that to deconstruct it a bit, though, it's fairly fascinating because the eagle obviously didn't say, "Here, weapon maker, have one mm-hmm. of my feathers," and so the feathers fly down. Others are lying on the ground all the time from gulls around us, and you find turkey feathers in, in, in our area, and, and they're great finds. They're fascinating. You can you can make a quill out of them. I've done that with my granddaughter, you know, paint or ink or whatever. Uh, but the the bird didn't intend that. That's just the the so uh, to to say in the moral that we often give our enemies, but it's not a giving in any intentional way. Hmm. And for me, that's what's more interesting about this story. For me, uh, I'll, I'll just jump to it. For me, this is a weapons story. It is a, currently, this is a marvelous gun story. 
Yeah. Oh, I, I, I didn't, I didn't mean to let people have guns to, to, to kill me. I just have a right to have a gun. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. And your unintentioned loosening of things made it possible for somebody else to hurt you. Well, you know, it's, it's not funny. You know, mm. it's, it's inadvertent. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think it's a story that calls us to think about the consequences of unintended actions. Yeah. It's almost like a, um, a brief uh, sort of characterized uh, history of the CIA. <laughs> if, you, if you look at it, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, history is is uh, filled with examples of this, right? Of, of governments, um, you know, attempting to sort of jockey position for their own favor and then having that blow up in their in their, in faces. their faces that's, that's that's really interesting that's why i'm liking we're doing this because this is sort of free associational free associational of philosophizing yeah there's something else in that line i think he said is is sorrow is twice uh yeah yeah he says that it is a double grief to me it should be a triple grief first that he's killed mm. for shakespeare and I, i'm dying i'm sorry i right. can philosophize uh Second, that he's killed with an arrow, because uh, I would think that a bird would, if we're doing following through on this, that such a bird would be able to want to swoop and fly and and and, and miss. Mm. Uh, so it's death. It's death by an arrow, and then it's death by the arrow that is accurate because of my own feather. I think there's three layers. Yeah, that. I think that's that's a really interesting take on it because. Um, you know, the arrow, I think you're right. You would, you know, you'd think as a bird that flying is sort of your, um, the thing you're proud of. Right. And we see that we'll see that in some of these other stories that we'll tell the eagle and the lion and, and some of these other ones flight is the, the point of pride that the, the bird has, you know? And so to be killed by something that they killed you in flight. You know, it'd be one thing if, you know, again, we'll get into it with the eagle and his captor and stuff. Yeah, if yeah. you have your wings clipped or if you get caught in a trap on the ground or something, well, you know, that's not your, that's not your uh, point of dominance. Yeah. But flight, that's where you're, you know, that's your, your master your of that domain, yeah, right? And right. to be killed by an arrow um, <laughs> is, it is kind of its own um, insult almost, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so uh, this, this idea and yeah, it's that, that the arrow had his feathers on it. You know, I think you're right that the moral, we often give our enemies the means of our own destruction, right? He did, yeah. The Eagle didn't give the archer, the arrow, you know, that the archer found the fletching. Right. And I think that that's almost, you know, if you extrapolate that into a human scenario, it's not so much that, you know, okay, well here I'm, I'm telling somebody how to hurt me. It's more that somebody found out how to use something about me against me. And I that's that's a kryptonite story. It's much more realistic. It's, it's much and, more realistic and, too. Yeah. And, it's very um, psychologically and because it, it because he's not gonna fly down and pick up every feather it drops. It doesn't even necessarily notice that it's dropping a feather. Hmm. Uh, it's it's not up to the eagle to have figured out that a feather can can fletch a, uh, an arrow and so on and so on. So it, yeah, it just takes me down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Different yeah. different animal. <laughs> so um the next one we have here is uh the eagle and the serpent so yes. that one i'll let you read all right eagle and the serpent a serpent 
had succeeded in surprising an eagle and had wrapped himself around the eagle's neck. The eagle could not reach the serpent, neither with beak nor claws. Far into the sky he soared, trying to shake off his enemy, but the serpent's hold only tightened, and slowly the eagle sank back to earth, gasping for breath. A countryman chanced to see the unequal combat, and pity for the noble eagle, he rushed up and soon had loosened the coiling serpent and freed the eagle. The serpent was furious. He had no chance to bite the watchful countryman. Instead, he struck at the drinking horn, hanging at the countryman's belt, and into it he let fly the poison of his fangs. Hmm. That's an interesting one, because the other versions that I read, um, they go farther than that. And then it says that, you know, the countryman went to take a drink, and the eagle comes back and knocks the drinking horn out of his hand, which adds another sort of dimension to the uh, ah, to the fable. I, it does. And so th- this is the kind of day we're having. The countryman now went on toward home, Becoming thirsty on the way, he filled his horn at a spring and was about to drink. There was a sudden rush of great wings. Sweeping down, the eagle seized the poison horn from out of his savior's hands and flew away with it to hide it where it could never be found. Hmm. Sorry, I missed the... Yeah. No, that and this this one is another one. This is It's a very deep and complex tale in a very short space. It is. So we see a lot of the things that we just discussed with the eagle and the arrow. Um you know, again, the eagle, for instance, being on the ground, the place that he's most vulnerable and being, um, you know, taken by the snake and then attempting to fly away, right? Attempting to to get back to his point of, of dominance. And that fails and he comes to the ground. And then after that, rather than, you know, letting nature take its course, here's where we do see um, a little bit of that, you know, even in this story. The hunter perceives the eagle as being noble, more noble than the snake. So, you know, what is it in a human being that says one of these creatures is more noble than the other? So I I deserve to deprive this one of a meal (laughs) in order to to save this one's life. And we all do this, right? If we're watching a Nat Geo, you know, (laughs) thing, we, you know, we always want to see certain animals. Okay, an antelope? Yeah, let them get eaten. Whatever. It's not a big deal, right? I want to see the cat eat a meal yeah. <laughs> but then other animals oh that one's a the cute baby let's let it get away yeah, you know yeah, yeah. and really this is just a a human perspective it's it's completely separate from nature. i think it's a brilliant question because it's it, it because it immediately reveals it points out that we uh, the 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 act of anthropomorphizing itself which is partly what the fables bring to us but um skews us Kansas reveals our canting toward or 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 not, and then has to make us and philosophy is about consistency. Remember? So it has to make us look at why we are so inconsistent about that. Yeah, I've wondered this myself all the time. Anybody who's been listening to the show for any length of time has heard stories about my cats, right? And still every day I'll look at my cat and think, what about this tiny killing machine? Makes my brain say you're a cute, lovable, <laughs> you know thing. And there's sign that's it's that's actually big in the news right now. Is um uh, a group came out and said that uh, cats are invasive alien species, right? Mm. Because they kill billions of small mammals and birds every year, and they have they actually have devastating impacts on on local ecosystems. 
um, and they took a huge amounts of flack for it. They and they actually had to come out with a secondary statement saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Like we're not we're not attacking cats. What we're, we're saying just is observing. Should, yeah, this this is the way it is, and you should limit the outdoor activities of your pets. Right. You know, and you should have make sure that you keep them inside. That's right. <laughs> but people's strong emotional reaction to this told you that um, how pet owners are perceiving cats versus how cats are actually interacting with nature and other mm. ecosystems and things yep. are are at odds they're not something that lines up exactly right. so thus one element of wisdom in this whole complicated story uh, how about this how about because uh, i hadn't read all of the, i mean we've been reading and reading and reading aesop and i and i clearly just missed that so i left my book at home i'm taking it off the phone there was a white space i, I forgot the last paragraph which was silly i'm glad you reminded me but here we have any number of possibilities. If the eagle has got a snake wrapped around him and the snake is killing him and he's flying up into the air, it occurred to me, reading it again, he could just go up so high uh, and when the snake poisons him, he could just crash down, thus killing the snake, or crash into the, a mountain, or crash into the water. But that would be suicide, and the eagle's not going to, the eagle wants to fight for its life. Hmm. Um, then we have this this human discerning nobility. The, the word noble is, is yeah. a really, really interesting word. But of course, the eagle is associated with the Romans and, and so on, too. So, yeah, well, and Athena. Athena mm-hmm. is the goddess. So, all of that, but then the snake was so worn out that it, 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 it wants to fight the human. And what does it do? It hits his. Now, does it hit his drinking horn on purpose or does it hit his drinking horn because it was being inaccurate because it was tired? Yeah, that was an interesting part of the story because uh, I read different versions than what you had. And in, in the versions I read, it made it sound like he struck it on purpose. But on yours, it made it sound like he was, he was so tired from fighting that he couldn't get the human. He, he had no mm-hmm. chance to bite the watchful countryman. Why? Because instead, he struck at the drinking horn hanging at the countryman's belt, and into it he let the poison of his fangs. That's a lot more complicated. I gotta hit this small thing <laughs> and put my fangs into it. So I'm gonna, I'm, I'm thinking about, it. I'm gonna poison this interloper. Yeah. What for later? What rather than just hit him on the leg? I mean. There's something there, and I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, I think that it, it probably comes back to our anthropomorphizations of the snake, right? The serpent as being a sneaky, backstabbing, cunning animal versus something that would overtly uh, confront or attack. And thus, something. it's not noble yeah. because it's sneaky. Because <laughs> we know, I mean, we know without it being said that he snuck up on the eagle, right? He didn't let the eagle see him coming, or the eagle would have flown away, right? probably would have flown up in the air and then took the snake up in its talons, right? So yep. the snake yep. needs to survive through stealth and, and deception and, and subtlety. Yep. So yep. I think that that's sort of baked into that tale, right? And where did the eagle go? I mean, because he he um, he let the the snake let the uh, poison from its fangs into the into the horn, the drinking horn. The countryman now went on toward home. He's thirsty. He's starting to drink. The eagle comes down. So what? The eagle is flying along, watching the countryman. Right. The eagle didn't just say something to the countryman. Or is this a, one of those places where the animals can't talk? Because that happens sometimes in these yeah in these fables too. Seldom, but sometimes. 
<laughs> so, so the the eagle could have just said, "Look out! He poisoned you." <laughs> yeah, I think that, and this is where um, the fact that you know, stepping outside of the the universe of the tales for a minute, we can sort of see that, like, okay, well, this Aesop probably didn't exist because there is some lack of consistency that is hard to see when you look at the tales as a whole, I think because they're so short. Yeah. But then when you start looking at individual ones, you see, okay, well, there are some things that that about the writing that just don't seem to match yeah. up from tale to tale. And that might be one of them is the animal's ability to, to talk. It, it, that, that could be. That's a, that's a good speculation. Which adds an interesting layer to the end of the story, right? Because the eagle swoops down and takes the drinking horn from the hunter. Mm-hmm. So now if the eagle can't talk, um, what's going through this hunter's head, right? I rescued this eagle. Now he stole my water, you know, like he doesn't know that it's poison. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, so the, 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 exactly. The hunter's got to think, <laughs> okay, animals, never mind you. I'm yeah. tired of you. <laughs> Last time I saved an eagle, right. you know, and that, I mean, that part of the story almost could have it, its own moral in itself, right? About doing the right thing. Maybe the, the countryman then goes out and tries to hunt the eagle because yeah, yeah. he's wanting to find his drinking horn. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on there. And, you know, I, I think that that adds this dimension of um, sort of motivations behind actions and mm-hmm. why somebody mm-hmm. would do the things that they do. And there's, I, there's almost something about parenting in there. You think, right? About you know taking something away from somebody and then not understanding why you're taking it away, but it's for their own good. Yes, right? this, this good, sort of limitation. Good. I think I think so, and, and it and it does point because of the word the, um, the lack of talking. It, it I think really interestingly points to the ambiguity of of, of any particular action. Uh, whether you go to the, you know, superhero tropes or you go to ordinary tropes and people we call heroes day to day or whatever, somebody may fly and do something, help you. You didn't even know they helped you. Hmm. Uh, you don't know why they helped you. Why do we want to know why they did? Why do we need to know why? Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. built into this story. Yeah. The, it, it reminds me of a meme that I actually read earlier today talking about how, um, you know, there's there's thousands of different versions of you that exist out in the world, right? Yeah. yeah. What you, who your mom thinks you are, who your best friend thinks you are, who your coworkers think you are. And none of them are who you think you are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't make those versions any less real just because it's not actually who you think you are. Those impressions, those people that these other people think you are, have realistic consequences, right? Yes, yes. Man, nobility. We're we're going to do a podcast on nobility at some point because I think that that is we haven't be talked a, about that. No, yeah. no. And okay, I think good. That'd be a good one. <laughs> Thank you, Esau. <laughs> yeah. All right. The next one we got is the eagle and the jackdaw. An eagle flying down from his perch on a lofty rock seized upon a lamb and carried him aloft in his talons. A jackdaw who witnessed the capture of the lamb was stirred with envy and determined to emulate the strength and flight of the eagle. He flew around with a great whir of his wings and settled upon a large ram with the intention of carrying him off. But his claws became entangled in the ram's fleece and he was not able to release himself, although he fluttered with his feathers as much as he could. The shepherd, seeing what had happened, ran up and caught him. He at once clipped the jackdaw's wings 
and taking him home at night, gave him to his children. On their saying, Father, what kind of bird is it? He replied, To my certain knowledge, it is a daw, but he would like you to think he's an eagle. <laughs> the elements of cruelty in that story. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> jack jackdaws are are the smallest of the of the corvid family, the smallest of the crows. Hmm. So you, you picture this very small bird. And, and jackdaw sounds like it's a great name, but you'd be thinking some listeners might not know what it is. And so here's this little tiny crow coming down to try to get this ram. Right? Mm. So, but the cruelty of well, in in back in way back in the day, yes, wings were clipped. Wings were clipped in, in times of medieval, I suppose, probably somewhere now people still clip wings. I, but, but just clip the wings to give it to your children. Here's an animal. I'm going to mutilate it so you can play with it. Yeah. Yeah, the the jackdaw definitely um got more than he bargained for in that in this tale. So the explicit moral is don't take on more than you can accomplish. So we can see that, right? So the eagle scoops up a lamb and then the the jackdaw, which is a much smaller bird, goes for a much larger animal and it it doesn't work out well for him. Um I think the other part of it in there you know beyond don't take on more than you can can accomplish i think it's don't be something that you're not you know um what you know what even because the the first one right don't take on more than you can accomplish well that's that is to say that if the the jackdaw could accomplish somehow taking down this ram it would have been okay yeah but that's not what a jackdaw is meant. Yeah. That's yeah it's not what a jackdaw is designed to do right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think it's more, you know, don't be something that you're not, right? The jackdaw is not, it's not meant to, to take down rams. So don't, don't do that. <laughs> uh, and isn't that interesting? Because we live in a culture that says you can be anything that you want to be. Mm. That's one of the, in some, on, on some level, it is one of the most horrific lies we tell. You can certainly attempt to be anything you want to be but we all do have limits and and yes we have this whole culture about oh exceed your expectations run away from your don't pay attention to your limits go beyond yourself well yeah but still there there are certain things that you will you will run into walls with and how are you going to know that unless you try right yeah and so i think yeah there's definitely the limitations part in there um but i think beyond even the limitations part i think there's um a desire part right and so you know a jack dog probably eats seeds and nuts and maybe some fruit mm-hmm. probably isn't a, a meat eating bird necessarily you know maybe maybe a scavenger of some type I mean, but crows do it, eat it, it certainly is it? not eating rams no, meat no, right no <laughs> this is something that i've experienced right is that so we live in um, a culture that it kind of tells us we all want the same thing, right? Yeah. I think that everybody, um, you know, wants to grow up to be, um, you know, a, a rock star or a, you know, a movie star or one of these things, right? Well, I've had the good fortune of, you know, being able to learn how to play some instruments and building a recording studio and putting music online. And so it's sort of natural that what follows from that is this. Or, you know, maybe even what the impetus for it was, it's hard in retrospect to identify what sure what came first, but to to be a rock star, right? Um, and I came to this point 
where I, I was offered the opportunity to um, sort of pursue that route. And what I immediately identified is that I do not want to be a rock star. <laughs> I love playing music. I love recording music. Mm-hmm. I even like putting music out for people to listen. Um, but I have no interest in being famous, right? And I have no interest in um, being um, just sort of a focal point in a public sphere, right? That is not at all appealing or, or comfortable to me at all. So um, I, I've i backed away from that now. And pe- and, but still to this day, if people find out that I'm a musician, that's the first thing that they say. I, I actually just had it happen to me last week. A guy at work discovered that I played music for the first time. Him and I had worked together for five years. Uh-huh. He said, why'd you never tell me this? I said, well, I don't know. I just <laughs> never, you know. Well, you're really good. Like you should, you should try to make it big. You know, you should try to do the same. I said, I don't, I don't want to make it big. I don't, you know. Yeah. And so I, you know, I think my dream job might be like a music producer, somebody who nobody knows his name, but he still gets to make music and do these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But that's not really something that is. Um, espoused by society or culture as a whole. But you wouldn't have known that if you hadn't gone after the ramp. Right. If I didn't get my feet <laughs> caught in the fleece, right. then I right. wouldn't have understood that this is not what I'm designing There's for. something very troublingly patriarchal about this. That, oh, okay, if you, if you aim beyond your means, some bigger male creature is going to come and clip your wings and let people laugh at you and push you around and play. It's like this bullying threat. Hmm. Don't go beyond your, you know, I, I just, uh, th- th- this is a very troubling story and it really, it really sets me off as a, as a parent. You know, I, no, I don't want to tell my children. I never did want to tell my children. You can be anything you want to be. Cause I don't, cause it's patently not, not true. You, you can be many, many things, uh, more things than you can possibly think about, but that doesn't mean the entire universe of things but for somebody else to just say uh, automatically no you can't do that that's the other bad message that that that's that's put into this i think you don't say to a kid i I can be anything daddy oh nope the only thing you can be is (laughs) x that that's just as destructive as saying sure you can be anything just go out there and do it yeah and this is where like the morals don't help you out because i think that what we've discovered talking about this tale is that there isn't a moral, there's actually just a philosophical um, topic that's been brought up, which is yep. how do you balance um, you know, what you can do versus what you can't do, and how do you reinforce them? Yeah, I, this is the strength of, of fables. Put the moral aside. Somebody is telling you what you're supposed to think about this story. Why do they get to do that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so. yeah, so, and I mean, in, in real life, it's more complicated than that, right? Yep. So, okay, well, maybe, maybe you could, you know, maybe you could hunt a ram. Maybe, but maybe that's could. not what you're designed to do. Maybe that's not what you like doing. Can, <laughs> can I try hunting a ram and see how it goes? Maybe I get gored. That's not so good. Maybe I fall off a mountainside. Well, then it's done. But, <laughs> but I have to try to figure that out for myself. Mm-hmm. I don't need somebody telling me. Like they have the knowledge that I can do it. No, because they don't. And I think that, you know, this idea, like you said, the end of the story where this, this jacked ons up a, a child's plaything, right? Yeah. It almost yeah. seems to me 
that that's the more likely outcome if you don't attempt to find your limitations, right? If you don't attempt to find your limitations, if you just find um, the first job that you're you're comfortable with and you you never attempt to push beyond that, mm-hmm. then really your captor is capitalism and you're the plaything of products uh, around you. Uh, and you're you're not, way to, yeah, way to bring really. it right up to where we are. That's good. You know, I think that if you at least are exploring the limitations of what you can do, you can find out what things you like, what yep. things you don't like, what things you can do, what things you can't do. And in the end, you can at least, maybe you never find your, your peak potential or what, what it is you're meant to do. Um, but I think you get a lot closer than you do if, because just you've sitting tried. in one place. Yes, because you've tried, because you've explored. Mm-hmm. There's not many situations in, in at least modern life. Maybe back then, you know, the it was a cautionary tale, so you wouldn't end up, um, you know, killed. But in modern life, um, for the most part, exploring your limitations um, isn't going to isn't going to get you killed or in a in a place of um, <laughs> that this Jack thought ended up. <laughs> All right, so um, the next one we have is the lion and the eagle. Yep. I don't see if I can get the whole thing in this time. (laughs) All right. An eagle stayed his flight and entreated a lion to make an alliance with him to their mutual advantage. The lion replied, I have no objection, but you must excuse me for requiring you to find surety for your good faith. Or how can I trust anyone as a friend who is able to fly away from his bargain whenever he pleases? Hmm. And the moral is said to be, try before you trust. Um. So this story has, this is um, sort of antithetical to the nobility of the eagle. So in this story, they're saying, well, rather than being this noble animal, the lion is implying that the eagle is just going to make a pact with him and then leave him in the dust. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and and, then, and I can't help it because we talked about this at the beginning—the symbol of our of, of what it is we do, whatever we're supposed to be, whatever that means. Um, there's nothing wrong with making alliances. It's the kind of alliances that you make sometimes. So the eagle's flying along, but he's stopped he says ah lion i'd like to make an alliance with you for our mutual benefit okay that could be perfectly sensible it could be vile in intent <laughs> i want an alliance that uh, an alliance that will that will help me i'm not so worried about you so we aren't we're given these possibilities again as a philosophical problem which causes us to ask well is the eagle noble? Well, how would we tell if the eagle's noble just from this? Are we going to determine the eagle's not noble because the lion wants a, a bit of proof because of the eagle's skill? Well, the eagle in turn could say, um, I need some surety against you opening your jaws and gobbling me up. Hmm. But that doesn't come into the story. So, so we have the story from the lion's viewpoint. More than the eagle. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit last week with the fox. Like, um, you know, the interesting part of these very short tales is that there's so much that's unsaid that we you sort of have to fill the blank in on. 
Yeah. And this one is a good example of that. You know, the eagle, what is this alliance going to be about? Is it going to be about um, hunting mm-hmm. for food? Is it going to be about defense? You know, is the eagle going to fly up and, and warn them of predators? Or what? what is this alliance going to even entail? Um, but what we do know is that the lion is um, is untrustful of him, is, is mm-hmm. asking for some proof. Mm-hmm. And it, it again comes back to the eagle's ability to fly, his ability to, to just take off right right it's inherent ability yeah that 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 calls into this called into question but now we bring it right up into the 21st century how many allies have we had in the recent past who have said we can't trust you united states because when when something goes bad you just fold and walk away and and, uh, well there's the eagle uh the lion is saying oh yeah okay but Give me some proof that you're not going to just fly away. Yeah, and there's sort of two reasons for that. One of them is economic, right? Mm-hmm. If you have the most money, you can build the most advanced warfare uh, machinery. The other part of it is geography, right? We don't ever have to fight battles on our own soil. So as a result, all alliances result in us going to somebody else's place. And it's a lot easier to go to somebody else's place and um, wreak havoc and then leave than it is to have havoc wreaked on your home soil and then have to pick up the pieces. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I think that you see that playing into the story, right? Because the eagle has the ability to come to the ground. The lion does not have the ability to go to the Right, right, right. So so the question of staying in your place versus how can I trust you if you don't stay in your place, it just resonates in there for me. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting one. (laughs) And it is funny that it's written from the lion's perspective. You don't know how, you know, how it plays out the other way. Nope. So the next one is the eagle and the kite. Um, you want to let the listeners in on what a kite is before we get yeah, to Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> it'd be a really confusing story. <laughs> uh, 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 it's, it's <laughs> there's this kite flying around. <laughs> anyway, um, it's, it's a bird of prey and, and, um, it's uh, very light, so that you can think of kite that way. It has a small head, partly bare face. Uh, so think of eagle a little bit. Uh, a short beak, long narrow wings, and they're all over the planet in, in, in warm places. So there's a fairly nondescript, light, medium yeah. size bird. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit lighter built, a little bit. Um sleeker but still a bird of prey in, in Macbeth, we, we we just watched Macbeth this 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 past week there's a there's an insult uh and w- which uh, i believe Macbeth calls someone a hell kite hmm. or no it's Macduff it's a hell kite <laughs> okay so a really bad kite <laughs> <laughs> so the eagle and the kite says an eagle overwhelmed with sorrow sat upon the branches of a tree in company with a kite why said the kite do I see you with such a rueful look? I seek, she replied, a mate suitable for me, and I'm not able to find one. Take me, returned the kite. I am much stronger than you are. Why, are you able to secure the means of living by your plunder? Well, I have often caught and carried away an ostrich in my talons. The eagle, persuaded by these words, accepted him as her mate. Shortly after the nuptials, the eagle said, Fly off and bring me back the ostrich you promised. The kite, soaring aloft into the air, brought back the shabbiest possible mouse, <laughs> stinking from the length of time it had been laying about in the fields. 
Is this, said the eagle, the faithful fulfillment of your promise to me? The kite replied, That I might attain your royal hand, there is nothing that I would not have promised, however much I knew that I must fail in the performance. (laughs) So the moral of this one is all is fair in love. And I think that um, probably the probably the other side of that is um, don't let love blind you, right? If you're looking at I would from, think so. Yeah, I think that first one is the kite's moral, uh, yeah. you know, and the second one is the eagle's moral. Uh, so yeah, an interesting story. I mean, lots of lots of romance, sex comedies across the ages that have picked up on yes, that, yeah, that yeah. theme. Yeah. What what is it? What, I know these aren't exactly the lyrics anymore, but how often have songs been written about? Oh, fly me to the moon. I'll, 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 I'll swim the deepest ocean. I'll climb the highest mountain. No, you won't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, and I'm glad you feel that way. But and yeah, <laughs> you can see it reflected in nature, right? If you you watch any nature documentary, and you see all of these male animals with um, these sexual adaptations that serve no purpose, right? You see a peacock, right? Huge display of feathers. Their only purpose is one to get him a mate, and two make him easier to get eaten. <laughs> you know, there's no, there's no evolutionary advantage yeah. to having such a large plume, and you see this quite a bit. Um, males displaying, um, either physically or you know, in the case of birds, sometimes singing songs. Or right, the male, the male birds are performing. Or, or, I mean, one of the things that <laughs> is a kind of oh, the name eludes me at the moment. This kind of bird in our area. Where it, you'll hear it in, in the springtime, the, uh, a kind of woodpecker actually is a ratatouille, 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 ratatouille. Well, we have a metal capped chimney. It was driving us nuts when you and 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 I asked uh, someone in Cornell Cooperative Extension, um, uh, "What's going on?" Um, the, this bird actually makes tries to make louder sounds than anybody else to attract to mate, hmm. and when the mate potential mate comes. The bird has created three or four different nests and flies the mate to each of the nests to see, uh, you like this house I built for you? How about this one? How about this one? <laughs> and uh, either wins or, or doesn't. Right. Yeah. And there's so many, yeah, there's so much to it that overlaps. You know, we talk a lot about anthropomorphizing animals, but there is so much correlation with human mating behavior with, with birds sometimes, you know? Yep. All right. You, you know, physical display. Okay. Well, being good looking, right? Humans preen themselves, you know, having the prettiest song. Sure. Like, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll write a song, you know, I'll be a, be a musician. Oh, doing a dance. Yeah. Dancing, you know, like all of this stuff still, Oh, you know, different house. Yeah. You like this house. I'll take you by my, my beach house, my vacation <laughs> house. Yeah. And making the loudest, all this stuff overlaps. And, um, yeah, that's just, that's the interesting hard about is is looking at it you know from the the natural perspective practicality versus romance yeah well okay maybe there's there there could be a a meeting of the two somewhere but yeah but what what science finds is that a lot of times they're at odds The, the, the couples that spend the most on a wedding day um generally have an inverse relationship to the length of their marriage. The, the couples yep. who spend the most on a ring tend to have yep. higher divorce rates. Yep. So these things, I guess the moral of the story is, right? I, I think that it is correct, right? This kite, you know, making, promising the moon, right? Mm-hmm. Putting on the good display. Um, trickery 
might get you um, what you're looking for in the short term, but it's not something that's going to last very right, long. Right, right. I, I think it is saying that. <laughs> so that's just that one is uh, just an interesting spin on this relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the next one we have is the eagle and his captor. The eagle and his captor. And I have there we are. An eagle was once captured by a man, who immediately clipped his wings and put him into his poultry yard with the other birds at which treatment the eagle was weighed down with grief. Later, another neighbor purchased him and allowed his feathers to grow again. The eagle took flight and, pouncing upon a hare, brought it at once as an offering to his benefactor. A fox, seeing this, exclaimed, Do not cultivate the favor of this man, but of your former owner, lest he should again hunt for you and deprive you a second time of your wings. Yeah, this one was interesting. I I didn't find this one until you sent it to me. And then I read it and I was just thinking about, man, what is this story trying to say? There's a lot of interesting things in there, there are, um, yeah. including, you know, how the eagle's reaction to having his wings clipped, right? He has his wings clipped and he's thrown into the poultry yard and this this really affects him. Well, what about the poultry, right? <laughs> this, is their, <laughs> this is their everyday life. Do they do they enjoy this, you know? But I think that's that's that anthropomorphization again, right? Yeah. We see chickens as, you know, just things that lay eggs or things that we eat. Um but they don't fly, really. Right. And that's but that's the human thing that we've given them. Mm-hmm. Whereas an eagle is this majestic soaring animal that should not be in a barnyard. Yep. So you know, there's interesting elements too, but the the moral of it, right? And I I don't know if there there was is not an explicit moral accompanying this story. But we see the fox, our fox from last week, and yeah. what do we know about the fox? That he's usually um a, a he's trickster. he's not wise, but he's Some, sly and he's sometimes witty. sly. Yes, yes, he's yes. sly and he's witty, and and yeah. he usually if he's saying something. There might be some element of truth to it, but he if 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 there is, he's twisting it to mean what he wants it to and mean. What, and what is what is his particular purpose anyway? Well, let's see. Probably the fox would like to break into the poultry yard and eat the eagle. So here, no, go back to the other guy. Give the other guy a present. Well, maybe the other guy's going to clip his wings again. He's back where he started, and then the fox can get him. Yeah. So the fox is looking for the long game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but you know we still use I, this phrase "clipping your wings," and it's used in a variety of ways. Uh, people can can say, "Well, we got to." I've heard parents upon occasion use, you know, "Well, we got to clip these kids' wings. They're they're going too far, too fast. Mm-hmm. They're flying too." I, I hate this. I just abhor this kind of idea. Um, which is not the same as telling them they can do anything. But again, we're back to, "I'm going to clip your wings. I am taking away a strength, an inherent capability that you have." To prove to you who's in control, so this is a this is a fable about control. It's a fable about who gets to determine use. It's and it uses some of the same tropes. So we have uh, uh, the clipping of wings. We have uh, the, the eagle experiencing something we don't grief, depression. Okay, um, then we have. The eagle of uh, bringing a gift back. So it seems that the eagle 
offers gifts. Hmm. Not necessarily always, but but will repay you for uh and why should the eagle repay the, the guy for clipping his wings? Um that's a real big question. Yeah, that's that's what I had a hard time understanding in the story. That was an excellent analysis of the fox, by the way. I think that's right on. The fox is probably telling the eagle what to do so that he can take advantage of, of the situation. I like that. And I think that in in what you were saying about you know, clipping the wings. I think that that's an important thing too, you know, with regards to parenting or, or, or children, right? Is, um, you know, clipping the wings is, goes beyond um, expressing some measure of control. It's actually taking away the, the one thing that is defines how this animal yeah. works. Right. And yeah. you do see people do that with children. What, what defines what makes a child a child? I think that it's an energy and a creativity and a, an imagination. And sometimes these things run wild and it drives parents nuts, right? And I think that there's a way of of managing that without extinguishing it, right? And I think that it's important not to. There, There is. And the tale also says something very, something broader to me now too in the current context. There are people who think that every bird ought to be the same. I'm speaking figuratively, metaphorically. And if you're not like anybody else, too bad, I'm going to make you like everybody else. I'm going to take away something from you. I'm going to punish you. And and and, there, and there's a political sense in this for me about people determining what rights other people can have, and therefore we're going to take it away from you because we know best. We're the farmer. Um, so I don't like the man in this. I yeah. pretty much hate the man in this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, getting back to the question of what the story means, why why does the fox say that the eagle should appease the former master? I think that really, what other message can you take away from it other than you should appease those who are threatening to you or who have done you harm, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess if, if the second master, right, if the second master let the eagle's wings grow back, um, then that is, and lets the eagle fly, then that master really has no control over the eagle, right? The eagle is now its own bird. And so it's the nobility, again, there's that word again, of the eagle that decides to repay this this second farmer. But there's no obligation to because he's a free bird. But as a free bird, he might get captured by the first, especially if the first farmer sees, oh, you know, he captured this prey. That first guy might want to get him again. Or, you know, maybe maybe the fox is saying by bringing the prey to the first captor, that first captor might say, oh, well, I guess the eagle having flight has some usefulness. Maybe I won't clip his wings again. Maybe so. But if he does, then what's in it for the fox? And maybe it is just the fox being wise. For I, I, I don't know. But I, I just don't trust the fox. No, I think the fox is trying to get into the poultry. <laughs> Man, or, or, the, or the fox having made a friend of the, of, of, of the bird. Uh, says here open the gate let me in <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know it's just <laughs> but yeah that one that one is um again this idea of morals that are being spelled out for us in these tales it's not not always that cut and, and nope. dry nope all right the next one we have is the eagle and the fox and um i sort of paraphrased this one last week so we won't we won't spend a whole lot of time on it but i will read the whole tale for us an eagle and a fox formed an intimate friendship and decided to live near each other the eagle built her nest in the branches of a tall tree while the fox crept into the underwood and there produced her young. 
Not long after they had agreed upon this plan, the eagle, being in want of provision for her young ones, swooped down while the fox was out, seized upon one of the little cubs, and feasted herself and her brood. The fox, on her return, discovered what had happened, but was less grieved about the death of her young than for her inability to avenge them. A just retribution, however, quickly befell upon the eagle. While hovering near an altar on which some villagers were sacrificing a goat, she suddenly seized a piece of the flesh and carried it, along with a burning cinder, to her nest. A strong breeze soon fanned the spark into a flame, and the eaglets, as yet unfledged and helpless, were roasted in their nest and dropped down dead at the bottom of the tree. There, in the sight of the eagle, the fox gobbled them up. So this one, again, it seems like every other story, we're seeing the eagle portrayed as either noble or as um, almost just um, this ability of flight making it careless to the plight of the animals below. And I don't know if this speaks to, um, again, maybe inconsistency among writers or maybe it is just attempting to portray the duality that exists when you have this sort of ability. Um, but it really creates an interesting dynamic about how we conceptualize the eagle as a whole, right? Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, again, we see the fox. And again, the fox not being a very um, a very lovable character, right? Okay, so <laughs> he makes friends with the eagles. That's all well and good. They both have babies or whatever. One of the fox's babies get eaten. And the story goes out of its way to tell you that the fox didn't care so much that it's its cub got eaten then that it couldn't get back at the eagle and that sounds about right the fox is normally this underhanded wily character vengeful creature it doesn't yeah, like to it doesn't like to not be the one pulling the strings or the one on top so it right. really bugs the fox that the eagle got away with this <laughs> but then the eagle um you know again it's this sort of it's almost hubris really the eagle you know, swoops down and it takes what it wants from the fox. And then it decides it's going to swoop down, take what it wants from the people. Mm -hmm. um, and that ends up being its undoing. And then the fox gets its, its uh, you know, I guess. It's, Just desserts. Right, right. <laughs> so the moral is do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Yeah. Um, and But I put in there, it's kind of what goes around comes around. Uh, yeah, I think that's much more accurate. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we we looked at that one last week. I think that we we talked about it pretty well. Is there anything in there that you think jumps out now that we've read the whole story? Well, not I I I think that all the things you just said are are, are accurate. I just I think it's another tale in the category of in the Venn diagram. One of the circles is uh, the idea of staying in the lines. Hmm. Okay, you can take the fox's cub or whatever, you know, the, the kid, uh, fine, but you don't take fire. Hmm. That's not what you do. Here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what you're supposed to do is when you violate, you cross the lines, then there's going to be trouble. So it's as much as to say, don't push beyond your ability. Yeah. And yeah. I, that, you know, I think that's in there. Yeah, I think so too. All right, we were on to our last one, which is the eagle, the cat, and the wild sow. <laughs> All right, let me pick it up. I've got it. Uh, oh, I lost it. This is a really um, 
this is a really interesting tale because it's a it, there's more complexity than it might have first seemed. Just just the the title, if you think about it, whenever you get three animals going, it's always going to be mm. more complicated anyway. But uh, the type of animal. All right, an eagle made her nest at the top of a lofty oak. A cat, having found a convenient hole, moved into the middle of the trunk, and a wild sow with her young took shelter in a hollow at its foot. The cat cunningly resolved to destroy this chance-made colony. To carry out her design, she climbed to the nest of the eagle and said, Destruction is preparing for you and for me too, unfortunately. The wild sow, whom you see daily digging up the earth, wishes to uproot the oak, so she may fall on its uh, fall, seize our families, and uh, have food for her young, destroyed the tree. Having thus frightened the eagle out of her senses, she crept down to the cave of the sow and said, your children are in great danger, for as soon as you go out with your litter to find food, the eagle is prepared to pounce upon one of your little pigs. Having instilled these fears into the sow, she went and pretended to hide herself in the hollow of the tree. When night came, she went forth with silent foot and obtained food for herself and her kittens. But feigning to be afraid, she kept a lookout all through the day. Meanwhile, the eagle, full of fear of the sow, sat still on the branches, and the sow, terrified by the eagle, did not dare to go out from her cave. And thus, they both, along with their families, perished from hunger and afforded ample provision for the cat and her kittens. Hmm. And so, so <laughs> the explicit moral here is gossips are to be seen and not heard, which is sort of a... Um, okay, that's... A, yeah, but I, I think that's not really the... <laughs> yeah, yeah. This, <laughs> no, the, the, the moral is about strategy... Uh, about placing yourself well uh, amongst your neighbors. <laughs> the story is interesting because at the right at the beginning it says that the cat immediately sought to dis- demolish the community. Why? Yeah. Why did the cat do that? Because there's no such thing as a herd of cats. <laughs> <laughs> I'll kill you and I'll kill you and I'll kill you. I, 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 what cats do? You just said they're murder machines. Yeah, right? yeah. So I wonder if maybe the cat's um, the cat's motivation stems from the very fear that it instilled into the other animals, right? Maybe the cat was worried that the eagle was going to eat her kittens. Maybe the cat was worried that the sow was going to knock over the tree. And if that's the case, what better way to protect yourself than to divert your enemies? possible focus on you onto each onto other. each other yep so yeah yep. i think that there is strategy built into that story a bit. yeah be the be the be take be sharper than anyone else around you and you'll win i <laughs> i can see the story being used by motivational people going at the corporate levels oh, yeah yeah no. yeah i think that um there's other parts to it too like okay so i mean if the eagle the eagle has no reason to be afraid of the sow. The eagle could go and, and make another nest somewhere else, right? And leave, you know, take... Well, maybe not. Maybe if the eaglets aren't fledged, it couldn't leave, right? It's anti-communitarian. Yeah. It, it is It is very much the thing which people like John Locke and Rousseau were, were against. Uh, you're you're going to die in blood and claw and tooth and nail of terrible nature unless there's a government, unless there's a community. 
This tale says, nope, who needs community? Kill everybody around you and you can have, I mean, this is walking dead stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you look at it, it all, all of these animals, if you think of them as different parts of society, right? If the cat didn't actively seek to ruin the community, there's a very good chance it could have continued uh, you know, continued on working well. I mean, it has to know that the sow can't take the tree down. Right. If right. it did, it wouldn't be up in the middle of the tree in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Because the cat wouldn't be there if he was afraid of where the sow was. Yeah. And the eagle, you know, I mean, it it seems pretty apparent to the eagle that the idea of eating the, the piglets had never occurred to it. There's a good chance because the eagle couldn't, kill the sow and the sow might be able to defend the piglets mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so there's something in there but um but why do they what stops the eagle from flying off and getting food somewhere else right no i'm gonna sit in the nest because the tree's gonna fall over when i'm gone uh you know that just doesn't feel like eagles somehow yeah <laughs> it, it, yeah that's when the that's when the wild sow's gonna strike and take it down the tree as while i'm gone right if it takes down the tree, won't its where children it get live? killed? And where yeah. will it live? And yeah. so, yeah, yeah. I, I, so there's, in, yeah, there's inconsistencies to the cat's story that the sow and the eagle don't pick up on. The, the, the moral so, of the story is about is is uh, don't don't involve yourself with conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe maybe even beyond that, right? You know, don't take the word of conspiracy theorists, but also um, don't let your initial fear stop you from then rationalizing the things you're being told mm-hmm. which seems very pertinent seems very pertinent right now doesn't it <laughs> yeah i mean that that happens a lot and i think that it's it happens so often it almost seems like it must be a natural human instinct right you hear something and it makes you afraid so then rather than examining it you just are, are paralyzed by the fear you're almost not even thinking of a way to to get out of this circumstance or whether the circumstance really exists, you're just living in this state of fear. So what did the moral say? The moral said that it was gossips are to be seen, not heard, which nah, I guess that, nah, that, that I, that's old fashioned and outmoded. I mean, of yeah. course, of course gossips, but we don't talk about gossips. Now we talk about rumor mongers and we talk about conspiracy theorists, which is the ultimate rumor mongering. And, and so I think, I think we've just updated it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so even that moral is a little bit cloudy, but I think, you know, what it's saying is, all right, these people um, that are, that tell you these things, um, just don't listen to them. It's, you know, it's it's not worth to be seen, not heard. I'd rather even not even see them. Just just leave them out of your life completely. But yeah. So um, yeah, that was a good episode. We, we covered all of the, all the stories for the Eagle. Um, and so next week we'll, we'll take a look at a, another animal to yet to be discussed and we'll try to tie it up. Let's see. I think this is, is this episode 95 or six? Six, Anyways, we'll do, um, we'll do a couple more. We'll do a tie in episode. And then after that, we'll, for our hundredth episode, we'll do something special that we don't know what it is yet, but it's going to be, we're going to do it. So (laughs) (laughs) So our hundredth episode, um, we'll have something special planned. So until next time, keep on. Oh,